is a story story late night the positively shameless black sheep of the story story night family where you hear bleep worthy stories on an unblushing theme i'm artistic director jody eichelberger on this podcast we're going to drink it all in with stories on the theme drink me during the slam things got curiouser and curiouser as guest host minerva jane randomly drew names from the hat during a madcap spill the tea party of five minute stories recorded live at the visual arts collective in garden city idaho follow the white rabbit it's story time Ladies and gentlemen, our fabulous photographer, Chelsea Harada, is going to tell a story. All right. I truly, this isn't like a stage thing. I really wasn't anticipating telling the story. But uh, you all failed us, so here I am. (laughs) So when I was 17 years old, I landed my dream job. I was offered a position as a barista at the Flying M. Honestly, like 17, that was, I had made it. That was, I needed nothing more from life. That was the coolest thing ever. And I met so many amazing people from that job. I met Minerva there. I met the owner of this bar, Sam Stimper. I learned about coffee, which is how I got to know Jody. I would like go by his coffee bike that he parked in the middle of this weird food truck thing and be like, can we talk about cold brew? So it, it worked out for me. Um, drinks, drink me, barista. So I made people a lot of drinks. And I don't know if you've ever worked in the service industry, but after serving people drinks all day, you also need a drink. (laughs) So I had worked out this situation with another drink purveyor around town, but he didn't sell coffee. He was just deeply, deeply addicted to coffee. So after my shift on Sundays, I would make him a 20 ounce cold brew coffee with four shots of espresso in it. And I would walk myself down to his bar at Red Feather and he would pour me a fat glass of Jameson with a spank of mint. I asked him to muddle it and he's like, oh no, that'll get in your teeth. You just want me to spank it. Just release that aroma. So I was like, okay, that became our thing. He would, I would go down there, get a glass of Jameson, and he would spank my mint. <laughs> and sometimes I would spend hours sitting there talking about my long, difficult day, and he would sit there and listen to me, complain and complain and complain. Um, there was one night when he listened to me complain and complain and complain. And then he walked me home. He walked me through downtown Boise. I lived on 13th and Hayes at the time. He walked me through downtown. I told him I was cool. I was like, you can go back. Like, I I got it from here. And he's like, you're pretty drunk. Like, I think I need to take you home. And so I was like, no, I'm fine. Might have been like, I don't know. I've never been down this alley before. He's like, okay, you're like super not fine. So he got me to my place. I thanked him. Said, well, I'm going to go hang out with my boyfriend now. (laughs) And went inside. (laughs) Um, A few months later, me and my boyfriend were no longer together. Um, I would still go in 
with that 20 ounce cup of cold brew and four shots of espresso and ask for my Jameson with a spank of mint. And uh, one night he wasn't there. And so I was like, this was my chance. I've been looking for this chance. And I had my friend text him. And he's like, hey, come, come down to the Neurolux. Didn't say I was going to be there. Just said, come down. But uh, he texted back, just putting my face on. I'll be right down. And there was I, awkward as hell, because I just gotten out of a five-year relationship, and I had no idea how to actually hit on someone instead of just asking them for a goddamn spank of mint. <laughs> and so I proceeded to actively ignore him for about two hours. And I was talking to the bartender, and he's like, man, I haven't seen you for a couple hours at the Neurolux. Okay, I, I may have like made my way around town, but the Neurolux bartender didn't get coffee. Uh, he's like, I haven't seen you. I was like, I just went through a breakup. He's like, how long's it been? About four weeks. He said, it's time to start fucking other people. <laughs> and I was taken aback by how blunt that was. So I was like, okay, sure. Um, working through, actively trying to talk to this person who I had, in a weird way, invited to come hang out with me, but wasn't talking to whatsoever. Um, we ended up at the 44 Club <laughs> to karaoke, and uh, I went home with him every night for the last six and a half years. <laughs> Uh, we got engaged in November. He still spinks my mint. Sam, come on up. Well, I guess there's a Samuel in the Bible. So this uh, story, it's a, a brief moment of going down the rabbit hole. Um, and it started when I got a call at home, and I heard on the phone my mom speaking Swedish, and she was kind of yelling, talking. If you've ever heard mom doing that, so she was like, "Men varför vi ska göra för den pappa han hör det så mycket skotta, och vi måste åka och det var det var död." And I was like, "I understood. Dad's running, and there's shots, and someone's dead, and she's scared." And I was like, "What in the world is going on?" And she just kept talking. And then she's, I got enough understanding that she thought that the phone was bugged. And we were like, what? And poor, my partner was just like, what is going on? So it turned out, uh, which she finally got through to me, they were living in the Congo, um, where they had worked and where I grew up. Um, and their neighbor had been assassinated. And his car had come over at 12 foot wall into their yard. And my dad's response when he saw a gunman around a Mercedes that had crashed into the yard was to run out yelling, identifiez-vous, identify yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and they, and my mom was like, well, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, I didn't know what to do, so I just ran after your dad. And I started yelling too. And I think that the soldiers must have just looked and thought, 
there's two crazy white people <laughs> running at us. I think it's a, we're going to leave. And so, um, and it was just, it's a horrible story. And they ended up taking his, him to the hospital where he passed away. And eventually they actually gave testimony to a UN commission to tell their story, but they had to do it in secret. And it was many layers of like, it was very code switching. It was crazy. but. They survived, they're alive today, and um, that was my little trip down the rabbit hole with my mom on the phone. <laughs> oh. We've got Vanessa. Vanessa! Yeah, come on up. Okay, so take it away, Vanessa. I'm a little tipsy. Um, I'm about to tell you my worst sex story. <sighs> okay, I have to let all the juju out of me. <sighs> okay, so the backstory is not important other than I was fucked up and brought someone home I shouldn't have. Um, long story short, you're doing the deed, you're getting down and dirty and yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, I can't really tell this story without demonstrating, so you know what? Here we go. Um, so I am laying on the bed, positioned this way. Male counterpart is positioned standing up against the bed. So you get my position, right? Everyone's on the same page? We're good? Woo! Okay. So male counterpart is going. 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 And I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. But you know what? It's D, so you got to go with the D. Um, all of a sudden, male counterpart, exhibit A. Um, okay, so where my bed, we were at my place. Where my bed is positioned, it's facing horizontal. Right? Horizontal? Uh, is that right? Horizontal? Long ways? Long ways? Okay. Uh, dresser is vertical, right next to the bed. Um, so I'm on edge of bed, male counterpart is standing up, horizontal, I'm vertical. And male counterpart, all of a sudden, as he's not skipping a beat, still going, reaches over and grabs a red Gatorade. <laughs> and just starts chugging, not skipping a beat, still chugging, still chugging and still going. Going down his face, down his chest, and there's a puddle of red Gatorade on my stomach. At this point, I'm, I was already not there, but I'm definitely not there anymore. So I'm like, you know, let's, let's wrap this up, right? This is kind of going a while. It's going down the rabbit hole. We got to get that theme going. Down the rabbit hole, going way longer than I want. And I think it's over. No. Male counterpart then reaches back to the vertical dresser and grabs a Pop-Tart. <laughs> Not skipping a beat. Still eats a Pop-Tart. <laughs> 
eat, eat in the Pop-Tart. So now I have Pop-Tart crumbles and red Gatorade on my stomach. And I am no longer, like, if I was not involved anymore, I'm no longer involved at this point. I'm a female pocket pussy that's alive. I don't know. <sighs> so finally managed to, like, fake it, you know, fake it, just get it over with, sort of a thing. Finally, male counterpart decides he's had enough, does the deed, ends it, we move on, shoo him home, goodbye, I never want to see you again. The next morning I wake up never wanting to relive this life again and find a little red pill on my floor, wondering why the hell did that last so long? Well, male counterpart had taken a male enhancement pill to make him last longer and to make him extra thirsty was the side effects, hence the Gatorade and the Pop-Tart for the extra thirst and extra hunger. And the drink me, and the down the rabbit hole that never ended until I had to kick you out. So, needless to say, men don't take male enhancement pills. Thank you. Um, you're gonna love her. She's got great hair. Let's hear it for Becky. Okay, here we go. There's nobody out here, so it doesn't matter. Okay, my story, my story. It's gonna start off sad for a minute. My partner passed away. Sad, sad. Um, and no, it really was sad. I am still sad about it. Um, but when I was drinking on a Sunday at a local winery, you guys don't know that winery, and then my girlfriend calls me. She's like, I'm at the sandbar. I'm like, okay. I had met a guy little too soon after my partner passed away. Good connection, hooked up, whatever. Lots of breakups in between like being grief driven and driving that man to hell and back. And so I met my girlfriend at the sandbar and we were drinking on a Sunday. And uh, yeah, and so I got drunk. What, why is this moving? What am I doing? <laughs> So my girlfriend and I were drinking, and uh, she proceeds to leave me at the sandbar on a Sunday night while I'm drunk. And so I call my other girlfriend, and I'm like, hey, you should come over here. Three rugby players just showed up. Do you know rugby players? Do you know them? They are fucking fine as hell. I mean, glutes, quads, like they are stacked. Their asses, nah, whoa. So anyway, she comes. Two of them are assholes. One of them's hot. Oh, did I say we're all on bikes drinking at the sandbar? Bad news. Bad news. So we continue to drink, and I'm like, oh, that one. He's 6'4", strawberry blonde hair. I'm like, I got that. I'm going to fuck that tonight. Well... Long story short, too much to drink. Too much to drink. We're getting on our bikes. I'm like, we're going home. Like, moment in Paris. Like, I walk up to him, like, are we doing this? And he's like, yeah. And we just like go in for a kiss. And he like wraps his arm around me. He's on my ass. And like, it was like out of American in Paris. I mean, like, here we go. Long story short. Sadly, we get on our bikes, too drunk to bike home. 
get on my bike. I'm like, we're doing this. He lives, he lives in Garden City, right on the green belt. I'm like, we're doing this. And he was hot. We're doing this. I get on my bike and I crash. If you know me, you know my scar. Teeth, teeth through the mouth. I know. And so I show up at the bar, at the sandbar, bloody as hell, dripping down. No. Poor guy. He's like, can I bandage you up? Can I help you? And I'm like, it's all good. We're good. We're good. We're going to, we're not doing this, huh? It's not going to happen. I went down the rabbit hole. I drank too much and went down the fucking rabbit hole. And lost my chance with a fucking hot rugby player. Yeah. I'm just saying. So if you ever meet a guy who's a financial advisor, tall, 6'4", blonde, strawberry blonde, he's good. Woo! He's good. Woo! Our slammer of shame goes by the name Frankie McDonald. Good evening. So this story takes place uh, about two years ago, around Christmas time, uh, and it involves my child. To rewind a little bit, uh, my son was born about seven months after I got sober. My kid grew up going to AA meetings with me. He knows what sobriety is and da 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 da. Re, re, re forward, re forward, back to two Christmases ago. He's in junior high, he's 14, and he's starting to experiment with drugs and alcohol. This is totally cool, this is a normal thing for a 14-year-old boy to be doing. And we talk about this a lot. He informs me that he smoked pot behind camel's back a couple of times. That's okay, just take it easy, don't get busted. Uh, he asks me about my drinking and using career, and I tell him, and we talk about it. So one night, well, no, hang on. Rewinding, rewind, rewind. Okay, right there. Perfect. So it is around Christmas time, and people drop off Christmas cards and Christmas presents. And both my husband and myself were out for an evening uh, both had obligations, and my 14-year-old son was home by himself, and he received a Christmas present from one of my husband's friends, but neglected to tell us about it. A couple days later, my kid goes to the family Christmas gathering with my mom and dad, which I luckily got out of, and he eats a ton of food, and he tells me about the delicious... Uh, prime rib and all the fancy shit that my family prepares for their horrible holiday gathering. <laughs> and then he says, but mom, I got super sick and my ass was exploding in the bathroom and I was so afraid because everything in Aunt Lucy's bathroom is white. But it's okay, I made it in the toilet the whole time. And I was like, that's really strange. You're not usually a sick kid like you don't you don't get sick often especially like explosive ass sick but he did <laughs> so we carry on 
Uh, Christmas is a couple days away, and my husband talks to his friend who said, hey, did you get the Christmas present that I left for you guys? I left it with Micah, my kid. And my husband's like, no, I don't think so. And he asks me, and I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't see a Christmas present. I don't even know what it is. And I think Micah was out with his friends, so we don't know. Christmas present is a mystery, but whatever. It's a Christmas card with a little tchotchke thing. It's no big deal. A few days, like a day later, whatever, I'm in my son's room looking around for something, and I see, <laughs> I see in his closet on the toy box, which he still has all his precious childhood toys in, uh, but it's now in the closet, I see a wine glass and a bottle of wine, uh, and the wine glass has just a little bit of white, what appears to be white wine at the bottom. And I was like, oh, that's cute. He found some wine and now there's wine in the closet on the toy box with his childhood memories. And I smell it and it doesn't smell like wine, but that's fine. I don't really think much of it. The glass is pretty much empty. I go back to the kitchen with the bottle and the wine glass comment to my husband like, oh, that was funny. Like, look, Micah was drinking wine in his closet. Where did this come from? And then we notice there's some wrapping that the present had come in. The present was obviously this wine. And next to that wrapping, there is a little plug that fits in the wine bottle, but it is not a cork. It is a holder for a wick. Yeah. And the wine bottle, I then smell the wine bottle, it's not wine, it's an oil lamp. And my kid had poured himself a glass of white oil lamp fluid <laughs> and was sneakily drinking it in his bedroom, which is why he exploded in Aunt Lucy's white bathroom and then subsequently vomited all over his room the following evening. It was really gross smelling, super gross, super gross. And he was, uh, once he got called out about it, like, hey man, did you try this wine? He's like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I did. Um, and he was, he was terribly, once he realized what it was, he was terribly embarrassed about the white wine. Uh, but we made, we made light of it. And we, we told the friends who dropped off the beautiful oil lamp wine bottle the story, and again, he's mortified, but I was like, Micah, man, it's okay. Like, it's, it's funny. This is a stupid thing that teenagers do. Everybody goes through this shit. At one point, it makes dumb decisions like this, and he's like, okay, okay, like, fine, I get it. And he started joking about this little wine adventure he had with family, friends, and such, and it was very fun. Uh, and he no longer drinks white wine. Uh, he said he won't drink white wine anymore. He does indeed still like to drink and smoke pot. And he's dealing with that in his own way right now. But uh, no more drinking of the white wine for that boy. The end. Thanks for listening, and thank you to our season sponsor, Over 19 Adult Shop, and the Drink Me Show sponsor, Acme Bake Shop. 
The Story Story Late Night theme song is by Ned Evett, with podcast production by Stephen Baldessari, featuring live music from The Corbids. Support this storied program, find upcoming shows, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on SoundCloud, Facebook, and YouTube at Story Story Night. You can submit to be a featured storyteller by writing story at storystorynight.org. Find our full archive of podcasts at soundcloud.com slash storystorynight.org.